listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. I am back from uh, a week in Halifax visiting my parents over the Thanksgiving long weekend. I hope you had uh, a nice long weekend and you were able to spend some time with family or friends. And I hope that, uh, although I'm sure Vinny entertained you all for that hour uh, last weekend when I wasn't here. I did a couple of things that were um, a little out of the ordinary. Usually when I go home to visit my parents, um, I don't have a whole lot to do because they moved back to Halifax and I left Nova Scotia in 1994, right after high school. So I don't have a lot of friends that are still there. There are a lot of people I went to high school with that I'm not in touch with anymore. Um, just a couple of girlfriends who are still there. So I end up kind of hanging out at my parents' house. Um oftentimes without them because they'll still be working. But this time I actually got to uh, do a little road trip within the province with um, my girlfriend and her husband. And we went to Windsor, Nova Scotia, which is also known as the Valley. It's near uh, where Acadia University is in Woofville as well. And I didn't realize this, but Windsor, Nova Scotia holds the title of birthplace of hockey. Those are actually the signs that you pass as you're entering uh, Windsor. You see all these signs that says Windsor, Nova Scotia, birthplace of hockey. So my friend Mary was telling me, she goes, oh, I don't know if you realize this, but we're about to go to the place where hockey was invented. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't know that someone invented hockey. I feel like possibly a long, long time ago, a couple of cavemen had two branches and knocked around a rock or something, and maybe maybe they did that in Windsor, Nova Scotia. Anyway, nearby, it's also uh, home to the Great Pumpkin Regatta. And if you have a second, you really need to Google this. Um, Google a Pumpkin Regatta, Nova Scotia, and you'll find all these great photos. And what I love about it is that Windsor, Nova Scotia is a very, very small little town. There's There's not much there. But Thanksgiving long weekend, tons of people drive there they make it a destination and uh, they bring long chair lawn chairs they bring a little picnic um, they grab a Timmy's coffee and they cheer on people who have taken those giant pumpkins you know those ones that um, people enter into contests they're like five six hundred pound pumpkins well Windsor is also well known for these um, giant pumpkin contests and the pumpkin regatta, what they do is they take these massive pumpkins and people uh, enter as, I guess you could do it as a group, but usually it's just one or two people because that's all the pumpkin can fit. And they carve out the pumpkin and they turn it into a canoe, basically. So you somehow cut the top off, you clean it out, and people decorate them. They spray paint them. Um, they you know decorate it with their team's logo or perhaps their company's um, logo. And, uh, and they paddle them across the lake. Now, it is really fun to watch. They're not fast, and they don't all make it across. It's kind of sad when you see some of these pumpkin boats, essentially. All it is, it's a hollowed-out pumpkin that someone climbs into. They've got their knees up to their chest because there's not much room. They get a little paddle, and they, they make their way across. Um, so it's quite fun to, to watch them making their way. And some of the pumpkins aren't super huge. And I was amazed that there was a few where there were just kids in there. There was one 12-year-old boy who paddled across the lake by himself in kind of a, a mini pumpkin. Anyway, it's really adorable. If you want to check it out, uh, just look for Pumpkin Regatta. I'm sure you can find lots of photos on uh, on Google. Um, so I hung out with my parents. And uh, I talk about my parents, I would say, on social media more than I do 
on this show because I just figure it's not of everyone's interest. Um, but it's amazing to me how a parent-child relationship changes over time. And I know a lot of people uh, can relate to you know, you know, watching your parents get older and feeling like you need to um, help them out a bit more with things, take some more responsibility perhaps. And for some reason, it's like they're just, they become very entertaining. You know, when you're growing up, they're just annoying. Everybody in your family is annoying. My mom is in her 60s. My dad, he's 75. They're slowing down, but they both still work. And my mom will remind me that they don't work because they want to. <laughs> She'll say they work because they have to, because neither of their children are doctors. This I'm reminded of this all the time. Um, so they, they still work. They are uh, food vendors at the farmer's market in Halifax. If you do make your way to Halifax, please stop by and, and find my parents and say hello to them. Um, so my mother, about this time last year, they got an iPad. And this is a really big deal for my parents who don't have a computer and, and my mom's never. My mom doesn't even know how to turn on the TV properly. Like she's never had to know how to use any sort of technology. Uh, and she's had very little interest. Like she doesn't, she never watched movies on VHS either. So now that they have this iPad, you know, my mom watches news from Taiwan and uh so she kind of knows how to use it a little bit. So she's figured out how to FaceTime me, and that is a big step for my mother. Um, but when I was home, she asked me how to show her, if I could show her how to take a picture with her voice in it. And then she mimes taking a picture with the iPad. And I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. She goes, I, I want to take a picture with, with me, me talking. And I said, do you mean a video? She's like, yes. So my mom wanted to know how to make a video. And uh, then I made a little Instagram video of my mother's first video. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram, at Chen. And she's pointing it at my dad who was picking his teeth with a toothpick. I'm like, this is actually not a very attractive first video. But uh, if you can relate to parents learning technology and, you know, sort of, advancing uh, and picking up simple things like taking a photo and email, then um, then please <laughs> please tell me you relate. You can text me at 71010 uh, and share your stories as well. I'm sure I'm not the only one who goes through these sorts of things. Um, the Delicious Food Show took place this weekend. They had a lot of big uh, celebrity chefs in town, many of them from Toronto. I think a lot of our chefs here we should consider uh, – celebrities as well, not just uh, people who come from the States. But uh, I did really enjoy speaking to a few of them who did come in from out of town. Uh, Mario Batali was one of them. He was really interesting to talk to. 26 restaurants, 10 cookbooks. That's a lot. Uh, that's a, a lot to accomplish. And of course, he has the um, Italy marketplaces, the one in New York and Chicago. And I asked him if the rumors um, are true that there could be an Italy in Toronto. And he talks about that. So we'll play that uh, interview later on in the show. And uh, uh, yeah, he was uh, he's a fun guy. He wore his orange Crocs. He also wore matching orange scrunchie to tie back his hair. I liked it a lot. Um, also, if you are a fan of Sweaty Balls and Colin Blow, Debbie Downer, perhaps. If you know what I'm talking about, then obviously you know Saturday Night Live. Some of your favorite SNL food sketches have been 
transformed magically into actual food products to celebrate the show's 40th anniversary. I'll talk to Julie Zwillick. She's a TV host and candy fan and a writer who has uh, tried several of the products and she's written about them. And uh, she's going to fill us in about these uh, SNL treats that you can actually buy online. So if you are a fan of some of the classic SNL characters and uh, parodies that they've done, this is, I think, a really fun gift to buy for yourself or for someone else. And in the second half of the show, I'll tell you about Mealshare. It's a great program that has just expanded to Toronto that helps feed people in need when you dine out at a restaurant. So their whole concept is uh, buy one, give one. Very simple. And it it was started by three very young guys out on the West Coast. And uh, they're slowly expanding into other cities and taking on new restaurants as partners. And uh, they've been able to now donate over 100,000 meals. So um, a great thing to be a part of. And if you're a fan of fashion and food, you might want to check out a fundraiser called Heart of Fashion, which benefits North York General Hospital. October is, of course, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. There are a lot of fantastic organizations and events that are looking for you to participate. Um, this is just another one of them. I'll fill you in more about that. You're listening to The Pay 10 Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. If you uh, want to catch up on any of the previous shows the podcasts are always online you can find them on my website paychen.com you can also find the shows in the uh, itunes store uh, coming up after the break what does almost pizza and sweaty balls really taste like what's it like when that's in your mouth my friend julie's will fill us in you're listening to the paychen show here on in-depth radio news talk 1010 This is the all-new Pay 10 Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Well, you might recognize the uh, Saturday Night Live theme under there. Fans of SNL, have you ever watched the show and wondered, like really wondered, what colon blow might actually taste like for an actual food? Well, to celebrate the show's 40th anniversary, a candy company in the U.S. has created some actual candy and chocolate treats based on classic... SNL uh, skits and characters. So I've got Julie's Willick on the line. She's a host of uh, several TV shows that you've probably seen her on CBC, Food Network, TV Ontario. She's also a contributor for WNYC's The Sporkful. Hi, Julie. Hi, Pei. So you were lucky enough to try, I, I, I'm assuming lucky, not unlucky, enough to try a lot of uh, the new SNL-themed uh, candies and treats. And then you yeah, wrote about them. Just- yeah, they've just come out. They uh, It's in celebration of the 40th anniversary of SNL, um, like you mentioned. And they teamed up with this candy company called It's Sugar mm-hmm. that has a few retail locations in the U.S., but you can order it online as well. And they've put out a bunch of novelty candy and novelty items that are based on SNL sketches. Now, this is not the first time that a treat company has teamed up uh, with SNL, you might remember a few years ago, Ben and Jerry's put out a sweaty ball flavor. Did you try that? Um, I did. How was it? it was delicious. It was delicious. Cold and creamy sweaty balls. Cold and creamy. And if you weren't careful, you know, it could leave a, a kind of a white um, gooey blotch on your clothing. You have to be very careful. Um, yeah. So you have to be very careful about that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was it was quite delicious, and they they also recently put out a, a lazy Sunday flavor and a Gillies catastrophic crunch flavor. Um, 
So this is not the first time SNL has teamed up. But right. this is the first time that SNL has put out some of the novelty candies that are directly related to, like you said, colon blow. Yeah. Which was a uh, the high fiber cereal. Mm-hmm. It was a parody commercial from 1989 starring the great Phil Hartman. So we actually and, uh, have, um, you know, we've got a clip. I, oh, excellent. Uh, do we have, can we get the colon blow clip actually, Elliot? Yes. Okay. Here, just this is to jog listeners' memories in case they, they don't remember this. Hold it. Is that what you're having for breakfast? Sure. Haven't you heard? Fiber is really good for you. Well, there's fiber, and then there's high fiber. Try this. Colon blow. Sounds delicious. But is it really higher in fiber than my oat brand cereal? Take a guess. How many bowls of your oat brand cereal would it take to equal the fiber content of one bowl of colon blow? Two. Guess again. Three. A little higher. Four. Keep trying. Five. No, you'll have to do better than that. Seven? Guess again. Eight? We'll give you one more guess. Nine. Not even close. It would take over 30,000 bowls. <laughs> so that is actually from, I think, 1989. Yeah, 1989. And, um, you know, it's a hilarious commercial. The nice thing about this particular product this colon blow cereal, Mm -hmm. is that the box is exactly as it appears in the sketch. Oh, wow. It's very, it's very, um, it's really satisfying to sort of get that box and pour yourself a box, pour yourself a bowl of colon blow. Now, the (laughs) cereal itself, because I know you're a foodie, Pei. Yes. You want to know what it tastes like, right? Yes. Um, It's it's, um, delicious, desserty granola, basically. Is it really sweet? (laughs) Huh? Is it really sweet? It is. Okay. It's got about six grams of fiber per serving. It's oh. got semi-sweet chocolate chunks, some oats stuck together with, you know, almonds mm-hmm. and honey, brown sugar, cranberries. It's really more of a dessert than a breakfast cereal. Right. And getting, you know, a box of wood shavings mm-hmm. would probably be funnier, but you really can't eat that. So no. They did granola. So it's kind of it's kind of fun, like you said, to have the box that looks just like it did in the original parody from 1989 yeah. with Phil Hartman, uh, even though it does advertise itself as being extremely high in fiber, the actual cereal that you tried was like an average serving of fiber would you say six grams six grams of fiber yeah it's okay (laughs) it's got a few flax seeds in there okay well it's not going to keep you in the bathroom all day basically um we also have a clip from uh sweaty balls so let's jog people's memories on this one wow you have some beautiful balls (laughs) they're bigger than i expected (laughs) i know a lot of people tell me that look at that terry the way they glisten that's because I make sure that each one of my balls gets plenty of oil. I can't help but notice, Pete, your balls are a little misshapen. That's because I rested them on a hot stove for too long. So that, of course, is uh, what Alec Ball... Well, he's famous for many things, but I think he's well associated with sweaty balls. Yeah. Alec Baldwin has appeared on SNL many, many, many times. And that particular sketch is from 1998. You, you'd be probably fairly interested in that sketch because it's actually a parody of an NPR food radio show. Yeah, and Anna, I love um, it. There's... Yeah, Gasire and Molly Shannon. Yeah. And so, you know, they play it totally straight. And he is hawking his sweaty balls. His name is Pete Sweaty. And um, these are these delicious balls that he is, he is hawking on the air. And so this particular 
package of sweaty balls that you can now purchase mm-hmm. um, has got a great packaging design. It's really fun to give somebody a box of sweaty balls. I feel like this is a really um, great, um, you know what I, I think this would be great for is, you know, those office uh Secret Santa type gifts. Yeah. Sometimes you, you don't know someone that well, so you don't get something super personal, but you might pick up something that's kind of funny. And hopefully they right. have a sense of humor when you give them a package of sweaty balls. Right. And it's sort of, an, it, it doesn't end the humor. With, I mean, you can offer somebody, which, have you tasted some sweaty balls? You can put the balls in your mouth. You can, there are many things that you can, you know, you can just go on all day. Yes. It's really a very clever So step. what were the, because... Uh, on SNL, in the skit, it kind of looks like maybe they're tiny little pastries or cookies or something. But the yeah. the shorty balls that you can buy online, like the, the candy version, uh, what are they? Yeah. So these are peanut butter malt balls. Okay. They're basically malt balls, chocolate-covered malt balls that have like a, a slight peanut butter layer mm-hmm. in them. They're not um, remarkable in any way. They're <laughs> tasty. Yeah. Um, but definitely when you're purchasing these, you're going to be purchasing it for the packaging yes. and for the ability to sort of reference the sketch continuously throughout the afternoon as you're reading them. <laughs> right. And there's another one that I like, which is a bit more uh, recent, and this is the Almost Pizza. So we've got a little clip here. Mmm, pizza. I didn't hear the delivery guy pull up. That's because it's not delivery. Really? And it's not exactly pizza either. It's almost pizza. Come on, that's pizza. No, it's very nearly pizza, but not quite. It's almost pizza. See? Come on, let's eat. So it's uh, tofu pizza or something like that. No, you could put tofu on a pizza and still legally call it pizza. But don't call this pizza. It's almost pizza. Pizza that's practically pizza in every way, except for a few key ones. Come on, dig in. But it's food, though, right? Come on. I love it. It's like, come on. So the whole, and that's a, a more recent sketch with uh, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader. And right. uh, I I love that because when you, if you watch the whole thing and you can watch it, I found it on YouTube, um, this pizza like comes to life and it's just like something that's not remotely uh, close to being actual food. Yeah, it's really very funny. And of course, Kristen Wiig and Bill Hader just play it totally straight. And um, it's a hilarious um, parody. So these pizza-ish it, the candy is called the Almost Pizza Pizza Ish Gummies. Oh boy! <laughs> and they're gummy candy, mm-hmm. and they look really like little slices of pizza. Um, it's that sort of opaque variety of gummy candy where they're sort of they're not they're not translucent. They're sort of opaque. Right. They really look like pizza. Oh. They're very cute, and they taste pretty much like nothing. Oh, they don't even taste like pizza. Like no, they, oh, they taste okay. Like nothing. They, so which is probably what because. It's probably what almost pizza would taste like because it's right. not really pizza. It's almost pizza. Right. <laughs> right. They taste pretty much like nothing. They're sweet. Yeah. They're chewy. <laughs> and they just taste like chewy sweetness. Oh, okay. <laughs> like glucose and fructose and all of those. Yeah. And, but if you do, are, if you are looking for something gummy that has a little bit more flavor, there mm-hmm. are a couple of other gummy things that were introduced that are a little bit more flavorful. There's the Bassomatic Gummy Dot. Oh, that's right. We've got a clip of this as well. So we've got a little clip of yeah. this a classic Dan Aykroyd parody. Yes, fish eaters, the days of troublesome scaling, cutting, and gutting are over. Because Super Bassomatic 76 is the tool that lets you use the whole bass with no fish waste without scaling, cutting, or gutting. Here's how it works. Catch a bass, remove the hook, and drop the bass. That's the whole bass into the Super Bassomatic 76. Now adjust the control dial so that that bass is blended just the way you like it. So basically in this sketch, you watch uh, Dan Aykroyd take a fish and put it into a blender and then blend it up. Yeah. And 
you know, so as he hinted in the sketch, it's from 1976. Mm-hmm. And at that time, this was a totally raucous thing to do on the air. I mean, he's like <laughs> literally blending up fish and then he drinks it in the end. Ugh. And it was really, you know, kind of like, it seemed like back in the day, this was really off the charts revolting. Of course, now all of us are so jaded by the crazy, gross stuff we see on the internet. I'm not entirely sure it would have the same impact. Right. Certainly, this particular sketch is something that everybody who's interested in comedy should have in their in the back of their mind, in mm-hmm. their repertoire. Um, so these particular candies are basically Swedish fish. Oh. Um, comes in a few, uh, a mixed flavor. So the red ones, the green ones, the yellow ones, the orange ones. Mm-hmm. And they taste, you know, red green, yellow, and orange. Um, the way red tastes, you know? It has that classic red, red flavor. It's like red. Orange yeah. tastes like orange. I yeah. have no idea what green tastes like. Does anybody eat the green? Do no one green? likes the green. Right. No one's like, no one likes the green. No. Um, so those are quite tasty. And then there was also there are also some Gilly sour gummy hearts. Gilly mm-hmm. is also a Kristen Wiig um, character uh, um, from recent times. Um, and those sour gummy hearts are, are pretty tasty, too. And I noticed online, so the website is itsugar.com. This is where you can go to order uh, some of these uh, classic SNL treats. Um, they've got a lot of fun products like Hans and Franz, Pump You Up. They've got these little juice bottle candies. They've got Debbie Downer mints. And on the mint package, it says restaurant mints contain urine from unwashed <laughs> hands. And magnets, mugs. There's also Dusty Muffins lip balm and Sweaty Balls lip balm. Again, another great gift idea uh, indeed yeah so lots of things uh, i love that you got to try many of them i'm not sure which ones i'll order I- i'll probably just narrow down my list based on what you what you wrote about um but thank you so much for your time julie really appreciate it i was pleased to be here Pete. thanks and if you want to um, follow julie you can on twitter it's at julie zwillick Z-W-I-L-L-I-C-H. After the break, how eating out at some of the city's great restaurants can also help feed someone in need. And coming up in a couple of minutes, I chat with celebrity chef and author Mario Batali. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. We'll be back just after this. You're listening to the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. A little classic Madonna. I took a hip-hop hip hop video dance class at the Sackville Community Center when I was six, 15 or 16, and we learned the choreography to this. That's how long ago it was. And also that I took a hip-hop video dance choreography class. Come on, at a community center. Um, a fairly new organization started by three young entrepreneurs has created a way for you to donate a meal to someone in need when you eat out at select restaurants. It's called Meal Share, and it launched last summer in uh, out in the West Coast, so BC and Alberta, and then this week it's just expanded to include Toronto. And I've got Derek Juno on the line. He's with Meal Share. Hi, Derek. Hello, Pay. How are you? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm doing well, and I'm really excited to know that you have included Toronto in the Meal Share program. I know that you were in town this week to kick it all off. So your concept is, is simple. It's buy one, give one. But let's tell our listeners uh, what Meal Share and how Meal Share actually works. Yeah, for sure. So we partner with absolutely fantastic restaurants, and we put our little Meal Share logo, which includes uh, two plates and a fork, uh, beside a few menu items at a partner restaurant. Now, when a customer comes in and purchases one of these meal share branded menu items, they get their meal just like normal, but they're also providing a whole other meal to someone in need. 
There's there's no extra cost for the patron, and mm-hmm. there's no extra action that needs to be taken. It's just simply buy one, give one. So who's actually making the donation? Like someone is obviously donating actual yeah, cash, 100%. right? Yeah, it's, it's It's nice because we wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to give back. So mm-hmm. how we've done that is that we've gotten it's the actual restaurant that puts the bill for the extra meal. So okay. every time a meal share meal gets purchased, that restaurant contributes to our organization so that we can buy either a local meal mm-hmm. or an international meal. Oh, okay. So the restaurants, are they're the ones who are donating. Paying. Exactly, yeah. Okay, okay, that makes sense. So now you guys started in... Uh, 2013, July, with just four restaurants at the time. Now, how many restaurants have you partnered with? Uh, We're just over 80. (laughs) Wow, congratulations. In in a year. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've been so, so lucky to have all of our cities just so supportive of the idea and just have a lot of, I guess, ground so of support. Everyone mm-hmm. just, when they hear the idea, they just get so excited. They say, this, this makes sense. Yeah. I, I go out every day and I have something to eat. Well, that's so, so cool that now I can just make that into my routine and I'm doing a good deed. If I don't know what to get on a menu, why not get a meal share meal and help someone else out? It just makes sense. Right. And it doesn't cost the diner uh, any extra. So it's just that exactly. they select that particular menu item um, at a yeah. participating restaurant. So what restaurants in Toronto are taking part in MealShare? Uh, that is a great question. Uh, the three brands that we have are uh, Cafe Belong over at uh, Evergreen Brickwork. Mm-hmm. We have um, Koh San Road, mm-hmm. uh, the best Thai food in Toronto. Fantastic and Thai food. Exactly, yep. And uh, Monty, the owner of Koh San Road, has just opened up a new location, a new Thai restaurant. Um, it's got a different name, however. Mm-hmm. And classy Monty, he hasn't even actually picked the name yet. <laughs> so once he tells us the name, I'll yeah. be able to put that up on a website. But So his second restaurant is on board as well. And okay. then we have uh, Hawthorne, which is just at 60 Richmond uh, Street East. Just okay. uh, an absolutely fantastic restaurant. Great. And I know, of course, that you are looking to get more restaurants on board. Hopefully more will hear of Mealshare and want to we take are. part. It's, it's been fantastic. We've had already a couple of restaurants reach out to us in this last week just saying, we just heard about you. This is amazing. We'd love to jump on. So we, uh, we're hoping to do another launch uh, in, in the early new year and uh, get some more restaurants on sharing some meals. Now, I, I checked out your website and I saw the photos and it said three young entrepreneurs started this. Uh, you guys, and you are very young. <laughs> <laughs> Derek, you guys are really young guys. Just very quickly, tell me why you decided to do this. Um, well, myself and uh, Andrew and Jeremy, um, two other partners, we are, like you say, we're young entrepreneurs that have always wanted to be able to work together and uh, create something. We always knew that we wanted to start our own business and make it environmentally and socially conscious because that's what really needs to happen. I think right now our world is not in the best state as far as um, – the environment and social, uh, social, um, I guess, issues are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we really wanted to, if we were going to start a business, have it do some good. Yeah. So I was actually teaching school in Cambodia at a school and orphanage, and Andrew called me up one day and pitched me the idea of meal share, and it was just. It was so impactful yet so simple. I said, this is amazing. This, yeah, and this, it's, has, this has to be done. And it's just grown from there. Well, congratulations. Looking forward to seeing you guys expand throughout the city. And uh, and you're doing great work. Thanks so much for your time, Derek. No, thank you, Pay. So that's Derek Juno with Mealshare. Mealshare.ca is the website if you want to find out more information and more about the restaurants that are taking part. Um, as I mentioned, the Delicious Food Show was taking place this weekend, and I had a chance to talk to celebrity chef and author Mario Batali. Here he is talking about finding inspiration for his new recipes. 
uh, travel and uh, farmers markets, if I or fish markets or butcher markets or a anywhere where people actually go to buy their food that live wherever I happen to be. That's where I find the most inspiration because. I get to go wherever I want, kind of, and seeing the luxury items is boring now because foie gras is foie gras. It's delicious. It is what it is. Pheasant is pheasant. It is what it is. Uh, caviar is caviar. What it is, what it is. <laughs> but that said, rainbow chard is far more exciting to me mm -hmm. than any of those fancy ingredients because they speak of the soil that they grew from and the kind of place that I'm in. For me, that's far more inspirational. Now, are there certain cities that you go to knowing that you'll be inspired by something or there's something there? No, I go, wherever I happen to travel, I can find some inspiration, and it's generally not at the fanciest restaurant, although sometimes it is. But I find things in any town that I go because I'm kind of like a sleuth. Like I know that every like undercover, but not right, really. Right, but every right, exactly, <laughs> hardly undercover. But but yeah, like sneaking around, but not sneaky. Mm -hmm. Like in every town, there's something delicious. For me, the best way to do it would probably be to meet the oldest person in town and ask them what their best recipe they've ever eaten in that town was and discovered from them. What, uh, I guess, what inspiration do you get from being in Toronto? Well, Toronto is a very sophisticated town in a country that still hasn't come to grips with the deliciousness of their gastronomy. Ah. So I'm always feeling here like, I'm not legitimizing them. I'm just saying, guys, you got it. Yeah. Like, you don't have to look outwards. Do you we, don't have to, you don't, insecure. <laughs> I don't know about insecure, but not, not proud enough. Mm -hmm. You're definitely proud. And, and, and Torontons seem to feel a little bit that Montreal's beating them. It's not true. They're two excellent towns. It's like saying Mont uh, that's like saying San Francisco versus Los Angeles. They're both unbelievable towns that have so much to go on. It's the same with Montreal and Toronto. Um, I have to tell you that when I choose travel, I look to see if there is an Italy in that city. So New York is where I went this spring, Chicago coming up in the fall. But hey, I hear rumors of an Italy in Toronto. Can you confirm this? They are definitely rumors that we are opening in Toronto. <laughs> Until we have a signed lease, I have nothing. Mm -hmm. So I can say that we're very interested. Yeah. We think this market is sophisticated. We think it's smart. We think it's big enough. We love Canada, so we want to be a part of it. Now, you know, for our listeners who aren't familiar with what Italy is, it is a giant, it's like a marketplace, it's a restaurant, it's this whole food experience. It's like a town. <laughs> it is. A, it, it, I want to live there. There's Mario. a gelato place. There's a coffee place. There's a pastry place. There's a bakery. There's a brewery. There's a wine shop. There's a meat restaurant. And in all honesty, one of my favorite tweets that I ever saw was when we opened Italy in New York. The very next night, someone wrote me as a Twitter, oh my God, Batali, I never wanted to sleep with a grocery store before. <laughs> that, that is enough for me to be happy for 10 years. It's the kind of town I want to be the mayor of. Right, you exactly, know? or at least a part of the city council. Yes. But you can know that when you're in Italy, you can do just about anything. And one of my greatest moments is the very first weekend we're open, I'm looking at this little old lady. She wasn't old. She was maybe in her 70s or her 80s. She was walking around, looking at the sauces, looking up at the counter, looking back down. She reaches into her little grocery cart, pulls out this giant glass of red wine and takes a big <laughs> glug, puts it back down, and then rolls forward. And I'm like, this is going to work. It's going to be The whole thing is a bar that just happens yeah. to have a grocery store in it. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what is something that you think people need to cook more of or something that people are maybe shying away from and you really want to encourage them to eat more of? I think people should not necessarily be afraid of cooking anything. I think what they should do is take a look at two meals that they eat out every week and re remove them. Eat at home, whether it's oatmeal or scrambled eggs 
or roasted chicken. I think processed food is the beginning of the devil for us. And although it's not all processed in, in restaurants and grocery stores like that, certainly if you make it at your house, you know that it isn't. Yeah. And, and, and understanding the fundamental success that that will bring you both physically and emotionally is something that is the most important thing. Now you're well known also for your, I guess, uniform of shorts, orange Crocs. Have you ever seen uh, someone wearing like your outfit, but just out in the street? Baby Halloween is coming up. <laughs> there are a lot of Mario Batalis in New York City on the streets during Halloween. And it makes me, it makes me proud. It doesn't make me cringe at all. <laughs> I think they should wear it year round. You know what, it is something, it is definitely a fashion statement. Uh, thank you so much and uh, happy to know you've enjoyed your stay in Toronto. Thank you very much, I love Toronto. And that was my interview with Mario Batali, chef and author who was in town this weekend for the Delicious Food Show. Coming up after the break, we'll be combining food, fashion, and fundraising and letting you know how you can take part. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. This is the all-new Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Well, October is, as some of you may know, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And one of many fundraising events taking place this month is called Heart of Fashion. And uh, taking place Saturday, October 25th at the shops at Don Mills. And on the line, I have the chair of Heart of Fashion, Holly Miklas. Hi, Holly. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. I know that you're probably just getting all the last minute things together for the event because it's coming up very soon. Uh, it's a night that mixes food, fashion, and fundraising. All good things. Exactly. And it's going to be a phenomenal evening. As you mentioned, we're having this, we're transforming the shops of Don Mills into the ultimate cocktail party and lounge. We'll have uh, amazing food, and Norman Hardy is providing the wine. We have this exquisite fashion show that will feature all the retail stores at the shops of Don Mills, along with some Canadian designers. Legend uh, David Dixon will be there, newcomer to the scene, Fortini Copeland, and also Christopher Bates will be participating in the fashion show. So it's and a great hope, way for people who love fashion to go absolutely. and kind of mingle with some of these great designers. For sure. And our host for the evening is Rosie Etta, and we all know and love Rosie from the morning show. Mm -hmm. So we're, the, our guests are in for an amazing treat. Now, where does the money go? So obviously this is a fundraiser, um, and the money's going towards a great cause. Exactly. Um, North York General Hospital will direct the money towards the BMO Financial Group Breast Diagnostic Center at North York. It's a special clinic that's dedicated to um, taking care of those who are diagnosed with breast cancer. Okay. And so this is obviously uh, great work that's being done. And this is just an, one of many fundraisers. And I'm not saying that to, to make it sound less important, but just that there's so many people who are rallying for a great cause, especially during the month of October, to raise okay. awareness and try to raise funds uh, to go towards breast cancer research and um, support programs. Now, I know that you have been involved in a lot of charities and fun fundraising events, big and small, I'm sure. Um, in your opinion, what makes a good fundraising event? 
Well, I think what makes a good fundraising event is creating an evening that's enjo- that your guests will really enjoy. And along with that, I'll, you know, obviously with fundraising, you and hope to raise as much money as possible. But I think what's even more important is that you're providing uh, information about the cause and spreading the word um, and, um, you know, just really highlighting what it is that you're trying to accomplish and on Saturday night we're hoping to provide uh, you know really cutting edge innovative uh, technology to the BMO Diagnostic Center and it's the seed technology which really helps the surgeons pinpoint the tumors so they can remove them more quickly and more Mm -hmm. efficiently and our patients can move on to you know, surviving and enjoying their lives and, and getting on with, you know, more enjoyable uh, aspects of life yeah, as absolutely. opposed to being sick. Thanks. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much, Holly. So heartoffashion.ca is the website for info and also to buy tickets. And again, it's taking place on uh, October 25th at the Shops at Don Mills. Uh, have a great time at the event, Holly. Oh, thank you so much. And you can follow us on the Heart of Fashion website and on Twitter, and it'll give you all the information about the event and, and all the fun activities that we have for ready for the guests on the night. Fantastic. Thanks so much. You're welcome. That's Holly Miklas, who is with the, the Heart of Fashion fundraiser taking place next weekend. Might be a fun thing to do with a couple of friends, enjoy some food, some great fashion, and uh, cocktails. Vinny White has walked in. Hi, Vinny. Why do you give me such a disapproving look when I walk in? I always feel as I if didn't I've forgotten. give you a disapproving look when you walked in. What? I'll Just give you then. a disapproving look when you walked in and then you started to unbutton your shirt. Oh, well, yeah, but... Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, so it wasn't you walking in. It yeah. was you disrobing. I see now why you've said this. And now the fact that it's still in your face is a hangover from when I started to unbutton my shirt. Yeah, it's a, it's a very difficult thing to forget. I'm trying to erase it from my brain. I but only showed a... you one nipple, but I didn't realise you were on the phone. No, you showed me two. So Did you see both? Yeah. Oh. Why don't you describe I them? I saw all three, actually. So <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you describe them? So the, uh, I don't want to because be... I don't want everyone to turn the radios off right now. Mm. Um, I Hey, have you ever been to Arizona? Yeah, but not for about 10 years. Oh, I'm going tomorrow. Oh, why? And it's like I'm going on a uh, a food trip with a couple of journalists from Canada and the U.S. How did you get this one? And it's with Scottsdale, uh, Arizona. So we'll be in Scottsdale. And I've never been to Arizona before. Um, I wasn't even that familiar with where it was exactly. I knew it was hot and it was a desert. Mm. Um, but apparently there is a fantastic culinary scene in Scottsdale that I wasn't aware of. So I'm going to go down there and uh, and kind of take a poke around and see what they have down there and, and get a taste of uh, some of the good food that they make there. It's a really popular place, I guess, if you're a golfer and it has beautiful spas as well. I've now learned that it's a huge snowbird destination because here on the east, like East Coast, people tend to go to Florida, but a lot of people, I guess, go down to Arizona. Mm, it's, it's very popular. So I will let you know all about it uh, when I'm back next week. What's the local dish if there is one? I will find out and then mm. tell you. Have you ever broke or have you ever tried to break a world record? Like, has it ever crossed your mind that you thought, you know what, I bet I could break this world record for whatever? Not intentionally, but I did fart for about 36 seconds once, but I don't know what the longest fart is. Was that last week when I was in the newsroom? No, that wasn't me. <laughs> that was one of the other news people that remain nameless. no one else in the newsroom. Um, there is an American man who has set the most official world records ever. 
Okay, so he is he's 60 years old. Oh. His name is Ashrita Furman. He's an American man. He holds 198 official Guinness World Records, including uh, – okay, and this is the thing. I am so annoyed with some of these records. I think mm. they're stupid. Mm. Here are some of the records that he holds. Yeah. Most pies in the face in one minute, 56. That's a lot, okay? Yeah. Uh also, he holds the record for opening drink cans in 30 seconds. He opened 41 cans in 30 seconds. Right. Um, he also, okay, his first official record came about in 1979 when he did, get this, I think you could break this one, Vinny, mm. 27,000 jumping jacks in New York. Actually, that one does require at least a grain of talent, so at least he can do something that's worthwhile. He also, you know, and this is one that I don't even know why you would attempt. He also has the record for the most backwards somersaults in ten miles, and he has. The, this is one you can break. I'm determined now, Vinny, that you're going to break one of his Guinness World Records. Mm. You can do this one because this doesn't require much talent. Does um, it require Guinness? <laughs> you can have a Guinness. No, you can't with this one. Mm. This man also holds the record. Uh, for 50 hours of continuous hand clapping. 50 hours. Wow. He wasn't at a Celine Dion gig, was he? <laughs> and many more, many, many more wonderful things that you have to train for. Some of them sound like there's only They're ever ridiculous. been one guy done it and then he's gone and beaten it. Like the, what was the one you said about the backward somersault? He did backward somersaults for ten miles. I can't even walk ten oh, miles. No, actually, that is quite good. In a week, yeah. uh, he does have one regret. He says sometimes he knows he's gone too far, and the stupidest record he attempted was when he tried to beat the time for eating a whole tree. Now, there's a couple <laughs> of there's two things that bother me about that one: yeah. that he tried to eat a whole tree, and that uh, number two, someone actually holds the record. Mm. I don't know what that was, Elliot, that lovely music underneath, but it felt very whimsical. Oh, I think I know what's happening here. What's it's coming Celine up on your show? It's Celine Dion. Yeah. Well, with this lovely medley, Vinny, what's coming up? Tonight on News Talk Radio, we're going to talk about, just for a little while, the yeah. Ford Brothers, but not long, trust me. And then we're going to talk about the Catholic Church. The Church. And other stuff. Well, we were going to do all that, but now everyone's tuned out. So, not much point. Probably just sit here and fart for an hour. Vinny White, fart record holder of the world. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Paychen.com is the website. The podcast will be up uh, tomorrow, uh, which means you can replay this wonderful segment with Vinny. Vinny White's coming up next. <laughs> is this actually going to be somewhere for people to hear again? Ugh. Have a great night. <laughs>